Welcome, listeners, to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, the podcast dedicated to the lighter side of crime fiction. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host. On each episode, I interview an author writing cozy, traditional, or historical mysteries. You won't find mysteries with explicit sex or violence. You will find mysteries with high-quality writing, intriguing plots, and engaging characters. Thanks for listening. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Nika Safia, author of Dead Dead Girls, joins me in the corner today to chat about her follow-up Harlem Renaissance mystery, Harlem Sunset. Welcome, Nikessa. Hi, welcome. Gotta say, the corner is very cozy, so glad to be here. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Now, as I mentioned, uh, Harlem Sunset is your second Harlem Renaissance mystery. So would you please introduce us to your protagonist, Louise Lloyd, and tell us what she's up to this time? Yeah, so Louise Lloyd is a 20-something protect, uh, 20-something. She lives in Harlem, uh, Harlem, New York in the 1920s. It's 1927 now. Ruth's just fighting. She's trying to get over what happened to her last year. Um, and then there's another body and another case and another thing to solve. And she's not too happy about it. <laughs> you say your novels during the Harlem Renaissance period. Uh, so for those uh, unfamiliar with that, what was the Harlem Renaissance and what made this time and place an ideal setting for your mysteries? So the Harlem Renaissance took place in the 1920s, the Prohibition era. So that was when the U.S. uh, government went to work in the ban all the alcohol. And that's the greatest idea ever. But it backfired and it made alcohol really cheap. And everybody loved to, and everyone went crazy. They're like dancing and drinking a lot um, and making their own alcohol. And the Harlem Renaissance was really just like this huge, like, rebirth of of Black art, of Black music, Black poetry, Black writing. Um... Uh, and it just like boomed in the uh, boomed in the period, and so like I've been obsessed with the 1920s forever. So I just think that it's like the perfect setting for like a mystery novel. Um, and like I could have written these books now, and like nothing would have changed because police brutality is still a thing. But um, setting it in the past was more fun, I guess. And do you have any favorite uh, Harlem Renaissance uh, artists or authors or intellectuals? Ooh, yeah, like Sora Neale Hurston. Uh, Langston Hughes. Um, I've been seeing a lot of his uh, words lately, um, just on social media and stuff, and it like always strikes me. He's so good at words. He's just so good at. I know, I know. <laughs> Actually, he's one of my favorite poets, so I, so I, I agree yeah. with you on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, what what drew you to the historical mystery subgenre of crime fiction? Well, so I I, I was a graduating university a few years ago now and uh I was taking like a history course and we were talking about like the Victorian era and the prohibition era um and like I learned that like I'm not a Victorian era person I'm not like an 1800s person a 19th century girl um I'm a 20th century girl though so I really love everything from like the prohibition up to like World War II then like uh the mid-century and like everything's booming and everything's great um I just think it was such an interesting time of like change and like movies were so good and so were books and so were like music um so I, I I didn't really set out to like write like a crime novel I think what I really wanted was to to write lesbians falling in love in the prohibition era and then it just kind of also became a crime crime novel um but yeah like, it's something I kind of fell into but I'm 
happy to be here. Uh, you mentioned your story was about the lesbians falling in love during the Prohibition era. So what what else in your research did you find that might uh, go against some of the things you know, people people kind of assume we know what the 20s was all about? I mean, we you know, saw something on Masterpiece Mystery or something and we, we think we've got it or we, we read one Fitzgerald book. We think we've got it. So what did, what <laughs> yeah. did you find that, that we might think is, oh, it, gee, I'm surprised to, to learn it was really like that. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so people, I really think that people, like, read The Great Gatsby, and they're like, oh, so that's exactly what the police were like. There were no black people, and everyone was very straight, and maybe Daisy wanted to sleep with her cousin. Um, it wasn't, like, people were still, I mean, gay people have existed forever, black people have existed forever, and just, like, because we've been um really, like, just keeping, like, these white people at the forefront, like, a ton of, like, stories have been lost, and, like, a lot of, like, um different points of view have been lost um like the 1920s were like really the occult um but like yeah like lesbians existed they, they just couldn't do it publicly um black people existed racism just sucked so i was kind of really eager to like bring a new perspective into the world and how did you you approach your your research for this i mean how did you go about recreating 1920s harlem for a modern audience so it's a it was a lot of work. I'm actually um I actually would go to this place called the Reference Library here in Toronto and they've got books on absolutely everything that you can well reference the reference library. Um and it's just it's really just like reading and it's like Googling and it's like I we are so lucky to just have the internet because like without the internet I would probably not been able to have done it. But like it's getting like the small nuances. It's like trying to figure out like what Lou would wear or uh, what she would like eat and like where would she would work and like what her family was like. Um, it's like all the tiny little things that you do day to day that you like don't notice because it's like, oh, I'm just gonna pick up my phone and check my email, but I can't, uh, Lou can't do that because she doesn't know what an email is. She doesn't know what the internet is. <laughs> um, I, I feel like she'd love it. I feel like she'd be a Twitter queen, but um, doesn't exist. So um, I'm so glad to be able to like be able to like research it um, read contemporary news stories, um, go into like the history of like different places. It's, yeah, it's, I'm so lucky to like have the internet. <laughs> Long story short, love the internet. <laughs> you, you also chose a locale, Harlem, New York, that's very distinctive and unique. So how did you sort of bring that, that, that city that or section of a city to life, you know, aside from the time period, so that someone in, you know, Ohio or Australia or Germany who's never been there can kind of feel what it's like to be in Harlem. That's a good question. So, like, I'm I don't live in New York, obviously, I live in Canada, but both my siblings live in New York, and like, so I've been fortunate to be able to go um, quite a bit, um, and it's just like trying to capture just that like bustle of the city and like. The way everybody is just like doing their own thing and like they're walking really fast because they have to go to wherever. Um, New York City has such a distinct like flavor or not flavor. It has such a distinct like culture and a distinct like it's it's such a city that like everybody is drawn to just because it's like the place where dreamers go. Um, and it's the place where like it never sleeps and like if you want to do something, go to New York. Um, and I was really eager to try to put that on the page. Um, I am still really not sure if I've accomplished like getting the feeling down pat, but um, I just wanted to like kind of put like the hope 
and the wish of like people who like live in New York City. Like I also guess that's like a little bohemian of me because I guess not everyone in New York City would be like, I'm gonna be an actor today. Um some people are just like I'm an accountant and that's great too. I'd love it. good for you if you are an accountant. Um where was I going with this? Oh uh, dreaming I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> You were talking about capturing that New York spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. You've never been there. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like trying to like put like that feeling of like hoping and like wishing and like dreaming on the page. And like New York City like really feels like the city where you can do absolutely anything. And like just putting that on page. And and speaking of putting things on the page, how do you balance including enough historical detail about the twenties and geographic detail about New York, but still not overwhelming the readers because you, I mean, you still have a, a story to tell. You know, it's you've got you know it's a crime story and a love story, and it's not a history book or a, or an atlas. So how do you kind of balance how much of each to to put in there to, to make it compelling and keep people reading? You do have to walk a fine line because like. I can always tell if, like, um, uh, like if I'm reading like a historical novel, and they're like, "Oh, I put on this straw waist dress that went down to my calf, and I'm putting on my Cuban shoes with a two-inch two-inch heel." It's like, yeah, you've done your research, and that's great, but um, that's too much detail. Um, so I always try to like kind of like play by ear and like see kind of like what I need for scenes. But I also like it's fiction, so sometimes I have to like bend things to work to me, <laughs> um, and I can do that because it's fiction, and it's because I made it up. Um, so like it's kind of like walking like this line between like reality and like fiction and like being able to put like some details in but like not too much and then like sometimes I also like will just get distracted I'll just be like this is what Lou's wearing um she's wearing like this red dress with a velvet on the like waist and it's like obviously it's a drop waist dress because uh in the 1920s people like to look like columns and it's like it's just like, this whole thing it's like you just have to find like the right balance and like if it's different for everyone it's a different for people but um, I'm just I always just trying to make like make it seem real enough that for that so that people can like follow the story you know and like be like transported and your 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 enthusiasm for the, for the time and place as well as your characters is obvious so what did you what did you enjoy the most about uh you know traveling back to 1920s harlem new york and introducing us to uh to all these folks <laughs> So um, just after I started this novel, I've actually I was actually writing about this for my next newsletter. So uh, past spoilers, I guess, because this will come out after my newsletter comes out. Um, but like, so after I started this novel, I started to learn how to swing dance to Lindy Hop. So I'm like, so I'm like, I actually went to take classes so that I can Charleston and I can Lindy Hop. Um, don't ask me to like waltz or anything because my plot room is atrocious. But like just doing that and like going dancing with my friends, it's like those are the exact vibes that are like in the like novel. I'm a little more sober than it was usually, but like, yeah, we're dancing. We're just like doing our dances in the middle of the floor. It's like, uh, so like it's things like that. It's the little things like going like, oh, I'm gonna go dance like Lou. Um, and like I find that immersing myself like that helps so much too, because like it makes you really think about like who your character is and like what they do type in. Make sense? I hope so. <laughs> and uh, speaking of, of uh, learning the, the dances of the, the era, um, are you involved in the, the vintage uh, style community? Because there, there is a thriving community. I, yes. I follow a lot of folks on Instagram, I admit. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't post on Instagram that much, but you can follow me at Kesopia. Um, But yeah, so like I make my own clothes and like they all have like a specific vintage flair to them. Um, yeah, I just, I just, 
loved the idea of going back. I don't want to actually go back, but I do love a good full skirt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll borrow a a phrase from from Dandy Wellington. He says, vintage style, not vintage values. Yes. (laughs) And like, it's hard to like, be like, part of the community too, because there are a lot of like, racist people. And sometimes they're like, being racist without like, knowing they're being racist. So you just have to be like, do I have to do emotional labor today or can I just enjoy the dresses? And usually you have to do um, <laughs> emotional labor. I actually moderate a group. I mean, I, I moderate a group um, for like uh, by POC people. And it's great because it's like such a different community, but like in like bigger groups, it's like it just gets washed out by white people because white people think that they are the center of everything, but they're not. I'm sorry, white people, but you're not. It's true. <laughs> but but it is nice to know that the the vintage community is making an effort to be more inclusive yeah. and all embracing and and tolerant of of all different sizes and, and shapes and um because everyone should be able to dress up in an, an amazing flapper dress and go lindy hopping yeah then that's the thing it's like it's just like do what you want to do you know like it's not that deep like if you want to go put on a petticoat do do that go do it like, no, no one's stopping you like if i'm watching videos of like old clips from like dances and stuff there's going to be like a million comments of people be like oh i wish i could do that today you can sis just go find a lesson go it's not that hard well one thing that they could do if they want to at least get a, a taste of the 20s and, and somewhere to to sort of uh, jump in and get their feet wet is buy your books so where can they buy a copy of harlem sunset <laughs> they can, you can buy uh from sunset and the and the first book that their girls um our books are sold, but probably your local indie. Um, I'm sure your local indie would love that. <laughs> um, and if they don't have it, you can tell them to request it. <laughs> and, and what's next for you? Um, what's next is um, books three and four, which I'm currently working on book three. And then, you know, maybe taking a nap. <laughs> Naps are good. <laughs> yeah. And and where can readers connect with you? I know you mentioned your your Instagram uh, yes. account. <laughs> my Instagram and my Twitter are both at Nikesafia. I have a website, nikesafia.com, and I'm on Facebook at Nikesafia. Just my name. Just, just find my name. <laughs> and they can sign up for your newsletter at your website? Yes, they can. All right, well, thank you very much for joining me in the corner today and uh, chatting about uh, the Harlem Renaissance in New York. I'm, I'm, I think I'm have to go like, Put an old Cab Calloway song now. I'm kind of in the mood for it. Yeah, right. Like that's what it does. I actually have a really good Spotify playlist. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and yeah. if you don't mind me sharing, I'll will share the name of your playlist in the show notes. Oh, go for it. <laughs> And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. My guest today was Nikessa Fia, author of Harlem Sunset, the second Harlem Renaissance mystery. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, award-winning author and host of the show. Tune in next time for another chat with an author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, goodbye.